Well, Lee, it wasn't that awesome song. I just was struck as we sang that song uh, about how, on, on one hand, how foolish the cross is. It's the idea that we come and, and celebrate the fact that a guy was crucified. Yet at the same time, that is God's wisdom and means of saving our souls. It's an incredible message, and I pray that that's something we can, uh, that we can continue to be struck by this year. If you are new with us this morning, if I don't know you, my name's Kurt. I'm one of the pastors at Wild Street. It's a pleasure to have you on this morning. We are going to look at that short little section that I had read before about following Jesus. Um, why don't I pray before we begin? Father God, we... We're in awe of the fact that you sent your son Jesus into the world to take the punishment for our sins on the cross, that we might be forgiven by you and have a restored relationship with you. Thank you that we get an opportunity to follow King Jesus. And today as we're looking at this text, as we're looking at your words to us, please help us to recognise what it means to follow Jesus. And to not turn aside, to keep our hands to the plough and continue to follow him. In Jesus' name, amen. So we call the series Following Jesus. Uh, the reason we called it that is because if you go through Luke's account of Jesus' life, it's this call that Jesus is constantly making. Uh, if you've read any of the accounts of Jesus' life, you'll see that Jesus was at first and foremost a moral teacher. Uh, he didn't write down his rules for life. He didn't do any writing at all, in fact, uh, that we, we have recorded. Uh, he wasn't a, a philosopher who kind of got people around and just gazed into life's peculiarities and philosophized about life. But primarily, Jesus was a, 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 he was a teacher, healer, who called people to follow him. But literally, to follow him. He went from town to town in Israel at the time and called people to come after him, to follow him, to live with him, to eat with him, to drink with him, to see how he did life, to listen to his teaching and to trust in him. But at the same time, Jesus, as much as he's telling people to follow him, he also had this habit of asking people, sorry, of telling people reasons to not follow him. And so he wasn't your typical, he wasn't a very good salesman. He wasn't good at just telling you all the good bits and telling you none of the bad bits. He really asked anyone he encountered to weigh whether they should follow him or not. He kept on in a way feeling like, as you listen to his teaching, it feels like he keeps putting roadblocks in the way of people following him to see if they'll knock them down. And so in the passage we're looking at this morning, it's Jesus' teaching where he's giving these, these words that are saying, these are the things that you have to do if you want to follow me. Do you really want to do it? He's asking us to weigh carefully. Now, if this morning you are someone who hasn't trusted in Jesus, someone who isn't following Jesus, then these, we wouldn't be a, a faithful church teaching what Jesus said if we don't tell you the things you should consider before you do. Reasons not to follow Jesus. And so we're going to look at this account, Luke's account of Jesus' life. Uh, I'm not going to have slides up on the screen, so you're actually going to have to look at the Bibles in front of you. If you haven't looked, open it up. Keep it open. Luke chapter 9 from verse 57. The account of Jesus we read is from Luke. Uh, Luke, if you don't know anything about him, he's, a, he's an historian. He's a doctor. And the section we're reading from Luke chapter 9 
is takes place while Jesus starts out on this journey to Jerusalem. So the first part of Luke before chapter 9, Jesus is healing, he's teaching up in the northern part of the Israel. And then it says in, it says in the in middle of 9 there that he turned his face towards Jerusalem. That is, he's on this walk, this road, literally he's walking, to Jerusalem, which as we go through the narrative of Luke's gospel, is the place where he'll suffer rejection by the religious leaders and he will die on a cross, something he knows he's going to do. And so as he's on his way to Jerusalem, he's going from village to village and he's teaching and he's doing miracles and people are walking alongside him. People are literally following him as he calls them to follow him. And so we're going to see three people, three different people who come up to Jesus and they're going to give us, we're going to see three reasons to not follow Jesus from these three people. The first one is this, don't follow Jesus. If you want to focus your life on man-made security, comfort and rest. Don't follow Jesus if you want to focus your whole life on man-made security and rest. So we're going to read from verse 57 of chapter 9. It says this, As they were going along the road, they're walking along, someone said to him, I'll follow you wherever you go. So we imagine a man, as Jesus walked from village to village, one bloke has said, oh, I like the miracles he's done. Maybe he even got healed by him. He's had some encounter with Jesus as Jesus came through the village. He's jumped on the bandwagon. He's walking along the road with Jesus. And he says, he, he gets really pumped. And he says, Jesus, I'm going to follow you wherever you go. Wherever you go, Jesus, I'm going to go with you. I'm a follower. And so it's this really bold statement of faith, of commitment to Jesus. He's left his village to do this. And Jesus says this, verse 58. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And the Son of Man is, a, is an Old Testament reference that Jesus is using for himself. He's saying he has nowhere to lay his head. He's saying to this bloke, mate, animals have homes, but I don't. Animals have homes, and I don't. If you want to follow me, then you're no longer going to have a home. You're no longer going to have a home. Well, what... What's he saying there? It's Jesus saying that if you follow him, you know, us here today, if we follow him, then you have to be homeless. We have to be nomadic and just go from place to place, in a tent or whatever, wherever you can get around. We, that's not the case. We know from, even from the New Testament, Peter himself had a house because Jesus goes to the house of Peter. So Jesus is not making a new rule for home ownership. Um, he's not encouraging Christians to live a nomadic lifestyle. We don't actually have a home. Couch surfing maybe through, through Europe. Jesus is making the point about what our homes represent. What our homes represent. He says, the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. What's the home? It's a place to lay your head. It's a place of comfort. It's a place of rest. It's a place of security. Jesus says, if you want to follow me wherever I go, then following me is going to be an uncomfortable life. Following me is going to mean you cannot spend your whole life focusing on securing for yourself man-made security and rest. Now that makes a lot of sense with what he's saying here because as he's saying these words, we know what he's doing. He's walking towards his crucifixion in Jerusalem. He doesn't have a place to lay his head. He's walking towards his crucifixion. He's walking, walking this uncomfortable 
life. He's saying, if you don't want to follow me, sorry, if you want to follow me, then you can't make your whole life about focusing on man-made comfort, security and rest. That is the first reason to not follow Jesus. I know, as I've reflected on this passage this week, one of the interesting things for me at the moment is, if you don't know this, I'm finishing up as full-time pastor down at St Matt's and going part-time. And part of that will be moving house. And I've lived in the house for 11 years and it's been really interesting to me how Jesus has used passages like this and this whole experience to show me how much of my security, how much of my comfort, how much of my rest is based on where I live. The settleness that comes from that. But Jesus says, if you want to follow me, then your rest can't be found in those things. It needs to be found in my relationship with him. It needs to be found in your relationship with him. He's your rest. Followers of Jesus will lose their man-made security and comfort to find it in him. Second, man comes up to Jesus and Jesus basically says, don't follow me if you don't want, to, if, if you don't want him to be your greatest priority. Don't follow him if you don't want him to be your greatest priority. So verse 59. To another he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Okay, so the first guy is walking along with Jesus. He says, boldly, I'm going to follow you wherever you go. Jesus responds. This time Jesus says to another bloke, looks at him and says, follow me. And the guy says, wait a minute. Uh, I need to go home and bury my dad. Now it sounds reasonable, doesn't it? Although it does sound a little bit strange. Uh, you know, Jesus walked through his town, his dad's just died, and he's just wandered off uh, while following after Jesus. And, then, and it's not until Jesus says to him, hey, wait a minute, uh, follow me, that he's thought to himself, oh, wait a minute, I forgot to bury my dad. I better go back and do that first. Though. So it's very unlikely that's what's occurred. More likely is it, this man is actually saying, my dad isn't dead yet, but one day he will. And when he does die, I want to be around to bury him. Okay, my dad's not dead. I need to go back home. He's still alive. Maybe he'll kick around for another 20 years and when he dies, I want to be there to bury him. He's saying to Jesus, right now, Jesus, even though you're here and you're calling us to, you called me to follow you, my priority right now is my family. You can come later on. When I'm ready, I'll come and follow you, Jesus. See, it sounds reasonable what he's doing. He wants to go and care for his family. And in some senses, the Bible commends us time and time again to care for our families. Even Jesus himself, we believe, cared for his family until he was 30, 30, 33 years of age. Uh, We we believe that Joseph, uh, Jesus' dad, died at some point during his life. He's never mentioned uh, from Jesus' uh, ministry after 30. So we assume that Jesus cared for his family like a good son, a good oldest son. So it's not that the Bible is saying don't care for your family, but listen to Jesus' response. Verse 60. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Now, that sounds a little bit blunt, doesn't it? He says, they're the dead ones, let them go. What's he saying there? Well, he's making a really important point. He's saying that his coming, his call to follow is more important than family ties and family responsibilities. 
He's saying that those who are dead should bury the dead. And what does he mean by that? Well, as he's walked through that village, this guy has recognised who Jesus was and he's followed along with him, but the rest of the family had stayed behind. The rest of the family had stayed behind. And so he is the alive one because he's seen who Jesus is and followed him, but these ones are the dead ones because they haven't recognised Jesus. And so Jesus is saying, the people who have not recognised me, let them focus on those things. But you have become alive now. You have seen who I am. You are following me. So keep following me. Let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and speak about who you've met. You've met the king. Jesus is saying, your highest priority has to be him. If you want to follow him, he has to be your highest priority above your family, above everything. If you want to maintain your current priorities, if you want to keep your family's happiness first, if you want to keep your job satisfaction first, if you want to keep your wealth first before Jesus as the number one priority, then Jesus says, you you can't follow him. He has to be number one. Now, it doesn't mean you're always going to be successful at that. Jesus is constantly pointing out to me over and over and over again where I'm prioritising things above him. But the life of a disciple is continuing to realise that, see that you've made that fault, that you've put priority something above Jesus and turning and following him again, asking him to help to follow him again, making him number one. That's the second. Third, don't follow Jesus. If you don't follow Jesus, if you don't want to keep following Jesus. Don't follow Jesus if you don't want to keep following him. So verse 61. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. So the first declares his willingness to follow. The second gets asked by Jesus to follow. This third again, he's, he's, he's saying, Jesus, I'm with you. I'm with you, but let me first say goodbye to my family. Now that again sounds reasonable. He's walked through, Jesus walked through his town, he's following after Jesus. So he's obviously enjoys who Jesus is, or he's been impressed by his miracles, or he's impressed by his teaching. So he has reason for that. And he thinks, nah, it's only reasonable I say goodbye to them before I go. Look what Jesus says, verse 62. Jesus said to him, No one who puts his hand to the plough and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. No one who puts his hand to the plough and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Now, what's a plough? A plough, you know, obviously, most of you know what a plough is, a large, it's a wooden instrument back then, a farming instrument. It breaks up the ground in order to put new seed. And so it often has, back then, two animals, most likely oxen, pulling the plough along. But it also required a person to stand behind the plough and direct it so it didn't make a messier field. You know, so you didn't go, ooh, the oxen go all over the place. The person was there to direct the plough. He's got his hand to the plough. Jesus is saying, if you are directing the plough and you, you turn to look back, then your plough is going to go all over the place. Now, what's Jesus' point? He's saying, following him is something you do not look back from. Following him is something you do not look back from. If you are following him, you are caught, it is a call to keep following him, to keep persevering in him, to keep your eyes on him. Whether it's to say goodbye to your family, whether it's to think, oh, wait a minute, 
before I was Christian, I got to do a whole bunch of things that I liked. I'm going to go back and do those things. Before following Jesus, I used to go to work and, and not really care about the people at work. And so I'm going to go back and do that. Or I used to go to work and just be really greedy for money and try and make as much as I can. I'm just going to go back and make a bit more money, Jesus, and then I'll follow you. But Jesus says, no one who's put his hands to plow and looked back is fit for the kingdom of God. Now, it's not that you have to hate your family. It's not that you have to completely disown your family. Jesus is not saying that. Right throughout the New Testament, we have to care for our families. It's not that if you become a follower of Jesus, you cut off your family at all. In fact, if you follow Jesus, Jesus tells you to look after your family. But when it comes down to it, when push comes to shove, he's number one. He's the one you're following. He's the one your allegiance comes first. And so you keep following him. Three reasons to not follow Jesus. And after reading Jesus' words, you'd be forgiven for thinking Jesus actually didn't want people to follow him. The hurdles that he puts in following him, you think, are you just trying to put people off Jesus? What is the deal? Three keen people who, as he's walked through the town, have seen enough of Jesus that they want to follow him. He hasn't just given them, you know, lovely words to kind of draw them in to keep following him. He's given these hurdles to follow him. He says, follow me and you're not going to have a place of rest anymore that's in a home. Follow me and and you're going to need to walk away from your family. And so you have to ask the question, Jesus, do you really want people to follow you? Do you really want people to follow you? Like, if I went up to Maruba Shops up in Pacific Square and I said, hey, guys, do you want to follow Jesus? Following Jesus is going to require you to have such devotion to him that he is the number one priority in your life above everything else. He is your number one allegiance. He is the one you find rest and security in. Honestly, I think most people, when they hear that about Jesus, that he demands such allegiance, it makes him sound like an egomaniac. Like, what kind of person demands that sort of allegiance? Particularly in our culture, where our homes and our families are at everything. It's ridiculous to think we could put it before those things. And so it leaves us with the legitimate question, why would anyone follow Jesus? If you're here this morning and you're considering following Jesus, why would you bother? Well, this leads us to the heart of what Jesus was on about. That Jesus, the one who calls in these passages to leave family, these people to leave family and home, is the one who lost the ultimate home and the ultimate family. For you and I, that we might have the ultimate home and the ultimate family. In John's Gospel, Jesus calls himself the one who came from heaven. That is the ultimate home. Jesus claimed to be God the Son. That is, he is in the family of God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Jesus existed before the beginning of the world in the perfect family, in the perfect home, and yet he gave that all up. We celebrated at Christmas time to become a baby, to become a man, and in this passage we're reading now, to walk this lonely road to his execution in Jerusalem. Lonely, I say, because as he's walking along the road here, sure, plenty of people are following him now, but as you get to Jerusalem and he gets arrested, everyone who was following him runs away. 
He gets captured, tortured, killed, and everyone scatters. But in fact, the worst of Jesus' pain was endured on the cross. The worst of Jesus' loneliness is endured on the cross when he cried out to his father, whom he enjoyed a relationship from before the world began, a perfect relationship of love. He cries out to his father on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because in that moment, as Jesus hung on the cross, he was enduring, being cut off from the blessing of being in a perfect relationship with his father. He was being made lonely, alone. He was losing his rest. He was losing his security. He was losing his comfort. Why? Because in that moment, Jesus took upon himself, like that song said before, they took upon himself our sin. All the times we have said, stuff you God, I'm living my life my way. I'm going to develop my own man-made security. I'm going to create my own heaven on earth with my own house and my perfect family and I'm going to do all these things and I'm never going to thank you. I'm never going to acknowledge your existence. I'm going to act like you're dead. He took that upon himself as he hung on the cross and God, his loving father, who loved his son, took out the perfect judgment on his son. Why? Jesus lost home and family, the ultimate home and family. Why? That anyone who trusts in him might have that ultimate home and family. I'm going to read from another section of, of, of Mark's account of Jesus' life. Again, this is, this is on Jesus' road from, uh, from up in the north to Jerusalem. It says in Mark chapter 10, Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. Jesus says if you have given up family and home to follow him like those people on the road, those three people on the road were challenged to do, if you have made him number one, then it's not all loss. You actually gain. He says you actually receive a hundred times your investment. A hundred times what you've lost, you will gain. Both, he says, now and in the age to come. Well, what's he talking about? Well, when I chose to follow Jesus, I gave up my home being my ultimate place of rest and security and comfort. As much as I want it to be that, and as much as I'm realising it now as I'm having to move out of my home, I've given up making that my comfort, to make my comfort my relationship with Jesus, my rest, my relationship with Jesus. The place where I'm most at peace in my relationship with Jesus, my security, my relationship with Jesus I am not secure because I have a house right now, as much as I sometimes think that. I'm secure because I have a relationship with Jesus because he died for me. I'm comforted, not because I have a roof, but because Jesus the King looks after me. Now, I know that's easy to say when you actually have a house. I've been thinking about this week. What would it be like for someone who's homeless to have a passage like this? When you've got your house, you've got your rest, you've got your security, I think it's really easy to say, yeah, it's just my security. But it's real. It really is. 
He really is your place of rest and comfort and security. At the same time, when I got saved, I had to make Jesus' number one priority over my family. Yes, I need to honour my family. Yes, I need to take responsibility for my family. But Jesus needs to be number one. He needs to be number one before my wife. He needs to be number one before my kids. We say that, I say that to my kids. Jesus is number one in our household. For me, Jesus is number one. And that is a good thing for you. Because if Jesus is number one for me, then he calls me to love you more than I'll ever be able to ever, even by myself. Yet not only that, when I follow Jesus and give up family to follow him, to have allegiance to him, the truth is I enter a worldwide family of followers of Jesus. So I can go into a church in Mongolia. I can go into a church in Zimbabwe. I can go into a church in some crazy town in the United States. And I can meet someone and know that they are brother and sister in Christ. But not only in this world do I have this extended family, in the next world, the new creation, we will have family from all over the world who will see face to face. As we walk into the new creation, as we enter in, we'll be high-fiving people and, and seeing people you've never met before and knowing, having a more intimate relationship than you ever experience in this world. So yes, I might have to give up making my home and my family my priorities. I might have to make Jesus number one. But following Jesus gives me the most incredible family and the ultimate home in the new creation. So Jesus demands we give up everything to follow him. Or be willing, like, have everything you have with open hands to make him number one. Why should we trust that? Because he is the one who gave up the ultimate home, the ultimate family, that we might have it. That we might have an eternal home and family with him forever. If you are someone this morning who is rightfully weighing up the options on whether to follow Jesus or not, then rightfully you need to weigh it up. Jesus is not just trying to trick you into believing in him. Jesus is not just going to promise you the world and say, if you follow him, nothing's going to go wrong with your life. In the passage we read from Mark 10, it says, with persecutions. Following Jesus is going to be uncomfortable in this life. Following Jesus is going to mean you make hard decisions to make him a higher priority than the other things in your life. But following Jesus is the true, is the true life of living because you have encountered a relationship with your creator, you are living the way you're supposed to live and you have the blessing of knowing him and having your rest in him, not only now during this life, which is so short, but for eternity. If you are someone who has not made the decision to follow Jesus, then today and over these next four weeks, I'm crying out to you. Jesus is crying out to you. Follow me. Follow me. Let me pray. Father God, we praise you that you loved us so much that you sent your son Jesus, whom you loved, into the world to live a perfect life and die on the cross in our place that we might be forgiven. We are sorry for the times when we found our security, our rest, 
in anything other than Jesus. We, we are sorry for the time when we prioritise our work and our family over you, Jesus. And we ask you to help us to follow you day by day, turning to face you over and over again, keeping our hands to the plough and following you and not looking back, knowing that Jesus, in you, in our relationship with you, is our ultimate rest, our ultimate comfort, not only in this life, but in the one to come. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.